San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of sail on, on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFB, you can hear this on any device as the show airs. We uh, have commercial-free uh, podcasts on iTunes as well as iymoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, an accomplished author, and a philanthropist, and also a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm great, Joe. I'm recovering from Thanksgiving. Got a sore <laughs> elbow from passing all the candy out. <laughs> you mean Halloween. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean Halloween. You exactly. got your mind on Thanksgiving. Because I got my mind on Thanksgiving because of the turkey talk. <laughs> exactly. But Halloween, we had like 250 kids. Oh, my God. But it's funny. I, funny story. I was texting one of our sponsors, Michelle St. Clair, with Elite Lifestyle Management. Mm-hmm. said I was getting ready for 250 trick-or-treaters. And I said, they're busing them in. And as soon as I texted that, a bus with 30 kids drove up in front of my house and oh, all the kids got out. This is Lucadia, right? Yeah, Lucadia. Oh, my gosh. And then she texted me back that she was just staying at the office until 930 to catch up on work because she was going to have 4,000 kids on her street. Oh, my gosh. Well, Mr. Move Your Feet before you so eat like, foundation. That takes the prize, 4,000. What, what did you uh, d- distribute to the kitties this year? I hope something healthy. No, because it's Halloween. <laughs> it was candy. So. And here you've got this health this health. I fun. know. we got this big healthy thing oh, on Thanksgiving well, morning. Day, and I'm handing right. out chocolate to 200. What's <laughs> more motivation for them to come out and run? Anyway, well, hopefully uh, there'll be some more chocolate to hand out next week. Uh, gosh, the, the election will be over on Tuesday. Can you believe it? Thank goodness. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, for, for, for everyone's information, I think I heard this somewhere. Another reason why everyone should vote by mail, at least in San Diego County, is uh, once the registrar has your ballot uh, at their office, somehow all these people who are mailing out uh, collateral through the through the mail, they know that your bo- your ballot's in, and you won't get any more junk. You don't get any more mail. No exactly. more junk mail. So that's another motivation. Right. Plus, uh, but if you get a mail-in ballot and you don't bother to reply, they're going to take you off the list. Oh, do they so do that too? They do that if you don't respond. Well. I don't blame. As they should. In a way, yeah, in a way I don't blame them. Yeah. But uh, I've I've been voting by mail for many many years. You've been voting I, early and often, Joe. No, just one. I mean, but you you've been you vote by mail, don't you? Oh, who would go to a poll? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this year with all the stuff on there. Yeah. But uh, anyway, just another plug for K and L folks. Yes, on K and L because I I think we should elect the mayor and everybody else in the city in November, not uh, June. And that's my little two cents on that. We did a whole show on it. Actually. We did indeed. And I think it's polling well. Mr. Marston and Mr. Peace. And there's Prop 64 uh, for the adult uh, use of uh, cannabis. I'm not a proponent of that. I mean, I don't use, but I don't think it should be a crime. So I, that's my other thing. I think that sh- I hope that passes for that reason alone. But anyway, everyone make up your own mind and do the best you can. Just get out there and vote. <laughs> Anyway, Please. wow, what a couple of great guests we have today. We have a father's, father-daughter team. I don't think we've had that before, but I'm going to start with the father here. This gentleman was born in San Francisco, 1925, uh, grew up in a tough neighborhood in, in, uh, in New York, I guess. And um, as a youngster in his teens, uh, I don't know if he got drafted or, or recruited uh, or drafted or, or, or enlisted, but uh, went off to um, to fight World War II. And I don't think we've ever had a, a World War II Normandy Beach 
invasion uh, guest with a veteran with us before. But anyway, his name is Jack Gutman. Jack, welcome to our show. I thank you for inviting me. All right, it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, absolute pleasure. We're going to focus on you uh, for the first two for the first two segments. Now, I know we have your daughter here, who's also a life transition strategist and a grief specialist, Paula Shaw. But Paula, would like to say hello. Hi, thanks yeah. for inviting me. Yeah. We, should, we should thank um, our sponsor, who was kind enough to. We should Brenda, arrange. Why yeah. don't you do that? All right, Brenda Geiger. Thank you so much for putting us in touch with uh, with Paula and Jack. Brenda so, Geiger of Geiger Law. There you go. You'll hear more about her during. During one of the other segments, right, Richard? We that is thank correct. the sponsors. But anyway, Jack, gosh, what a what an incredible story you've had. I mean, uh, undiagnosed PTSD for sixty six years. But let's start at the beginning uh, as a as a teenager. Um, did you uh, born in nineteen twenty five? Obviously, the war came along in the late thirties, uh, and you were a medical corpsman. Yes. Um, so, did you enlist, or did you uh, were you drafted, or how did that work? No, I enlisted. Uh-huh. I was 17 years old. Isn't that something? <clears throat> and you were living in, in, uh, in New York at the time? You're one of the few people who were born on the West Coast and grew up on the East Coast. Is that how it happened? Yeah, usually our guests do it backwards. <laughs> I lived in the East Coast. I lived in New York City when I uh, enlisted into the Navy. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So you, you immediately uh, knew you wanted to be a corpsman, or you just uh, matriculated toward that or attracted toward that? No, what happened, I accidentally... Um, I mean, I had volunteered to be an aerial radio man, mm. and um, <clears throat> I had passed the test. And then in um, the Pacific, the corpsmen would hit the beaches, and they had a big red hel- uh, cross on their mm-hmm. helmet. On yeah. their helmets. Yeah. And the the um, law was not to shoot the medics. But <laughs> that was the way it was set up. You but, mean the, um, the enemy was in, uh, instructed not to? The Japanese did not adhere to uh, that. Yeah. They were killing off the medics like crazy. Mm. So I was taken out of the aerial radio, which was probably a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't stand the sight of blood, basically. And mm. here I wound up in the medical corps hmm. and became a medic. How about that? <clears throat> they call corpsmen. Corpsmen, right. Yeah. yeah. So... So um, you were involved in which theaters uh, during the I know you, Normandy invasion was one and um, Okinawa. Okinawa, boy. That and then was... I also made making the invasion of Japan when they dropped the atomic bomb, and then we went on in anyway mm. to the naval base Sasebo, Japan. Mm. So D Day first, and then obviously <laughs> Okinawa, <laughs> Okinawa later, right? And um, gosh, I mean the. So all those years, I mean, you... you um, I was curious, so did you serve after World War II, such as Korea as well, or no? No, not Korea. No, I served, uh, I served from uh, 1943 to 1945. Okay. I spent most of it overseas. Okay, mm. gotcha. All right, so let's, let's explore some more of your career. So the war <laughs> ends, uh, we dropped the bombs in 45. Uh, what year did you get out of the service, uh, Jack? I got out in December of 1945. Okay. And then, and just then, before my birthday. Gotcha. So, which is December 19th, right? Right. <laughs> You're going to be 91, right? Right. Um, so, after the war, what did you do? I see you had a lot of career paths here, which is really interesting. Yes, I, um, I wound up, let's see, being, um, see, I went in the show business as a, com- as a comedian. I see a thrifty drug thing here. <clears throat> yeah, thrifty drug store. I was, uh, after I finished the comedy for a couple of years, mm-hmm. 
at working nightclubs. And um, then I became a manager of Thrifty Drugstore mm-hmm. and was there for about nine years. Then I became a salesman in adhesives, mm-hmm. cosmetics, I, in sold cars. I, I did a lot of things. So how'd you get started in the comedy? But that's a that's a that's probably tougher than uh, <laughs> combat sometimes. Right? <laughs> tougher than tougher than being a tough car crowd. salesman. That's you remember Rodney sure. Dangerfield? You know, tough crowd, I tell you. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that because uh, my comedy started because when I was uh, after we finished Normandy and I was on the way, uh, I got thirty day leave and then I was on the way to Okinawa uh, for the invasion there. Uh, I. I had a low self-esteem because I didn't know if I was going to make it through the war. And, and mm. so I had a good memory for jokes, and I could do different dialects. Mm-hmm. So I would start telling a couple of guys jokes. The next thing I knew, I had about four, 15 guys around me mm-hmm. telling jokes. And that started me, and it lifted my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And uh, that led to my comedy career later. And so, I still do comedy today. Outstanding. Well... I'm very curious because I'm a very big fan of comedy. I used to hang at the Improv here from 84 to almost yeah, 94. Yeah, you just went to the Press Club Awards. That was comedic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in any case, Jack, so did you start this on the East Coast, your comedy career? Or? Yeah, it started in, um, uh, I was in, uh, Charles, I started in Charleston, I mean in Florida, huh. Jacksonville, Florida. I was lived in New York. So my uncle was in show business in Florida. So he knew of uh, my comedy because I had done a little act for him. Did you? Have and work so he put me in yeah. a show at Florida. So did you open up for any com? I mean, any notables or work with any notables that we should know about? <clears throat> well, I've uh, I worked with Pat Boone later on, and mm-hmm. after, sure. that's way afterwards. I worked with Pat Boone, mm-hmm. and uh, I did a little stick with um, Yakov Smirnoff in Branson. Oh, we got to hear. We got to hear about this. So, but anyway, we're coming <clears throat> up on our break right now, I believe, aren't we, Mike? So we'll come back with Jack Gutman, a veteran of the Normandy Beach invasion, World War II, right after this. Hang on. That's a little comical, the little Green Acres there. We're back with Jack Gutman, veteran of World War II, Normandy Beach Invasion, 91 years young in December 19th. Came all the way down from Anaheim to be with us today, tonight. But um, anyway, Jack, tell us, we left off in Branson, Missouri and all that. Tell us about some of your other comedy adventure successes and stories. I'm really intrigued by this. Well, I worked in um, just various clubs in Charleston, South Carolina, Florida, New York City, and uh, did little things. I was on the uh, infant stage of television, but uh, did you ever make it, it onto Ed Sullivan? I mean, no, no. did not. No, that was that was the <clears throat> big that was the big window back then. Uh, then it became Johnny Carson, I guess, for comics. But um, you know, that's a tough way to go because there there weren't that many clubs and outlets, really. Right? I mean, for uh, comics, they, or were there? They were all small. They had small clubs. It's not like the big hotels yeah. and the things they have now. Was just. Small How about clubs. Mr. Mr. Kelly Chicago? Ever get into there? That one? No. Never made it that far. Uh-huh. Okay, so mostly East Coast based, though, right? Yes. I remember like him, the Catskills. I remember and so Mr. Forth. Kelly's driving, seeing the marquee, and you know, here's Woody Allen and Bill Cosby and Bob Newhart, and you know, all these guys that um, you know. And you probably did you see them work back then on the East Coast too? Oh yeah, uh, I, I laughed more at a co- uh, another comedian because I know what he's going through. Uh huh. 
Yeah, I did the same. <laughs> <laughs> I used to laugh at the at the segues because <clears throat> something was bombing and they'd segue to something and I would crack up because I knew he was, you know, he or she. You know, I saw Roseanne Barr when before she started. You know, uh, I got, got her TV show. I saw Robin Williams. Matter of fact, Richard, the Challenged Athlete Foundation. Yeah, they auctioned off all those bicycles. Uh, his three children, his, three his daughter and yeah. two sons. Well, I was talking to Cody, the one son afterward, yeah. and telling him how I used to see his dad. In 1977, the comedy store here, right here in uh, Pacific Beach, it was at the foot of Grand Avenue yeah. underneath what was the T.D. Hayes, which is now the PB Shore Club. But that was the comedy store for about a year and a half. And I saw Robert Williams there, and yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. he, was, uh, he, <clears throat> he could tear up an audience like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, I also used to work with Pat Boone and his family. Mm. Pat, great guy to work with, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, he, seemed, he always seemed like a, a nice guy. So, But um, anyway, well, Jack, now all these careers, and then you got into sales and other, and other things, and, uh, and then uh, something was awry, though, uh, post-war, right? Do you want to tell us about that experience? Well, do you want to hear about the world of the Normandy thing? Yeah, tell us a little bit about <clears throat> that and then how it impacted yeah. you. Well, I'm 17 and a half years of age, and it's uh, December 6th. Uh, we had set up a hospital in England, mm-hmm. and uh, it was for something big. We didn't know what it was. It turned out to be for the Normandy invasion. We had spent four months getting it ready. It was a huge hospital in Netley, England. Hmm. And so it was happened. Uh, I was chosen with a, about four or 50, uh, 50 other guys to uh, be in a secret mission where we would learn evacuation and patching them up on the beaches and so forth. They knew it would be a lot of casualties, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, we did not know what it was. It was just really mm. hush, hush. I mean, really secret. I couldn't even tell my best friends. Mm. So it turned out on December 6th. I mean, not December 6th. Um, June, June uh, right. The, the On the, the date of the invasion, mm-hmm. um, we we were going into the um, across the channel, and uh, I didn't know what to expect. I figured it was going to. But when we saw the uh, action, the guns when they let loose, now so you'll have an idea of it. The Armada was five thousand ships, four thousand landing craft, a hundred thirty-six to one hundred and fifty men English. Um, Canadian Amer- and American, Al- allies, mm-hmm. and 11,000 airplanes. So it was huge. Oh, my God. And we thought it was going to be like a cakewalk. But unfortunately, because the waters were very choppy, they had these big barriers. Normally, we were used to going up on the sand, mm-hmm. and the barriers Put just the go down stuff, right? the uh, landing craft uh, mm-hmm. shields. Now, it turned out that they were supposed to drop the bombarding we thought nothing was going to be alive on the yeah, beach. After the air, co- yeah. air cover. Unfortunately, what we found out after, they had a, about 35,000 land mines on the beach plus the barbed wire, which we didn't expect. Normally, the tanks and the, uh, the crews, that um, the demolition crew, mm-hmm. would destroy those so the landing people would go on. And so... It was just absolute hell what we went through. Number one, the guys, a lot of guys got seasick from the eating yeah. uh, well the night before, and they were throwing up. And, uh, and you said some ship. guys were actually jumping Half in. Half the guys didn't even know what they were doing. They just jumped off the side of the... And drowned, right? Yeah, and they drowned with the landing packs. 
because um, they went straight down. When the landing, uh, the shield went down, or the the, uh, mm-hmm. the where they run off, the uh, it turned out the planes that were supposed to go over and drop the bombs on the bunkers were supposed to uh, annihilate the yeah. these things because there was so many bombs. There was cloud cover, which we found out, and they could not see the bunkers. And therefore, they all the lot. bombs dropped on the other side, and the Germans had a machine, some couple of machine guns that shot off 150 bullets a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a medic, and what you're going through, it becomes very personal. Yeah. Number one, there's bodies all over the place, and uh, guys screaming, Mama, Mama, and... Uh, and and you're going you're you're in um, uh, trying to take care of whatever you can. Triage, right? Your, your adrenaline's running, and it was just it was just very traumatic. Yeah. Now keep in mind, I'm 17 and a half years of age, mm. and I'm seeing death. I'm if you saw Saving Private Ryan. I was going to mention that film. Yeah. They, they say the first 25 yeah. minutes of that was. Yeah. Very... You see that it was twice as bad as that. <laughs> Now, the reason for it is that they showed a lot of explosion. It was well portrayed. However, you didn't see the body parts of the guys that were blown up by these landmines. And then you look at it as a young man, and there's a father, a son, Mm -hmm. a husband who will never go home. Mm -hmm. And these stay in that young head. And that's what caused me so many problems with there and then also... Um, Even today, among our veterans today, I think they uh, they're they're um, dealing with it. So I feel sorry for them too. It's yeah, tough. But so all those years <laughs> later, um, you didn't know you had PTSD. We didn't. I don't think the term really came into the into common usage f- until very recently, anyway. Yeah. But I, we had shell shock. We had all these different terminologies, right? That's exactly the term we used. They said you get shell shock, mm-hmm. and they said you have to live with it. So even through after Normandy, then I got leave and I thought I was going to get stateside duty. I wound up being sent to the Pacific where I trained with the Marines in Oceanside mm-hmm. and because we're the medics for the Marines. Mm-hmm. And so we took or that or soldiers, whoever it is. So we went off in a big armada and we made the invasion of Okinawa. Mm-hmm. There we were confronted not too much on the beach because there was a lot of uh, death and fighting inland. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Okinawa wound up pretty bad. We lost, by the way, I just go back to Normandy. That morning, all those troops landed. That evening, 9,000 men died. That was horrible. That was Normandy. Mm. We lost 14,000 men on Okinawa. Okinawa. 62,000 were wounded. So you can see what we went through. Oh, my gosh. And then the kamikaze planes. Yeah. Um, you know about them, those are the guys yeah, that just crashed the plane right, right into in. ships. Yeah. That was horrible. Mm. Wow. So um, obviously indelible images on uh, on your psyche all those years, and uh, you were undiagnosed with PTSD for like 66 years, right? Yeah. Well, see, I wouldn't even talk about the fact that I uh, was having these flashbacks mm-hmm. and all, and um, finally... Uh, I figured, very honestly, they would put me in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. Because what happens, the flashbacks of my daughter, Paula, uh, when I was writing my book, uh, she asked me, what are your flashbacks? And I said, well, I really don't want to talk about it. They were just horrible. Sure. And she said, well, people would like to know. So I said, okay. 
And I, so I finally sat down and started writing it, and it was very emotional. Mm. And what it is, each one has their own flashbacks because the uh, episodes are things that they're going through. Mine were the invasion happening over and over yeah. again, yeah. and the body parts, are everything is magnified. Yeah. People blowing up and everything. Men crying, mama, mama, mama. Yeah. And then seeing men die in different ways. You know, like I had guys, I, I was mentioned earlier, is that a man would wind up uh, telling me, hey, Doc, I got shot. I'm going to go back home. I'll, I'm gonna, finally going to get my trip back home. And I said, mm. yeah. And all of a sudden, he goes, he expires, dies. yeah. Uh, it was uh, just horrible. Yeah, my apologies. We have to take a break <laughs> right now. We'll come back with more of this and get into it more with your daughter, uh, Paula, who's a therapist, uh, to help out with all this uh, right after these words. So please stay tuned. We're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. As always, we could not do this show without them. UBS and Michael Coranta, right at the top of the list. Big thank you to UBS. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet. Last week's guest, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO firm. Also, more traditional CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs with Don Epic and Paul Polito. Also, our great friend Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Also, Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office. Again, thank you to Brenda for arranging this week's guests. California Republic Bank just did a merger, Joe. They are now Mechanics Bank. Big mm-hmm. thank you to Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott, great niche market bank that serves wealthy families and family offices. Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance. We've got Neil Staley coming up as a guest fairly soon. December 1, right around the corner, open enrollment time for Employee Benefits Hub International, great employee benefits firm. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPAs, very best clients. Also, Paul Hines, CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Our favorite mortgage broker, Nathan Watkins, interest rates remain low, whether you're buying or selling. Nathan Watkins, Carl Sheeler with Two Bears Ranch. Interestingly enough, of course, a great charity in Colorado that uses equine therapy to help veterans with PTSD. Check out twobearsranch.com. And she of the famous 4,000 trick-or-treaters fame, Michelle St. Clair of Elite Lifestyle Management. If you have things that you need to get done that you don't have time to do, Elite Lifestyle Management helps people who don't have much time get all kinds of things done to make their life better and easier and more effective and efficient. And Joe, we also have some really good food involved with our sponsors, do we not? We most certainly do. We have uh, Lestat's Coffee Houses. Uh, original one is in Normal Heights and then uh, University Heights, and now it's official. Hillcrest, all open 24-7, 365. Great community place, uh, great coffee, uh, everything served and prepared on site. And always crowded. And then also the Very Good Food Foundation with Michelle Chickarelli Lirac. We have a show coming up on seafood sustainability, and uh, that'll be our fourth of the year with her, plus the Very Good Food uh, dinner event that we have uh, at their place uh, every year. So um, that, we like to thank them. 
Uh, and Richard, I know if anyone wants to learn about our sponsors, go over to iymoney.com. There's They're right a, there at the website. I've been working with some of them for about 30 years. There you go. Cool uh, stuff. The, there's a drop-down menu there for the under the sponsor tab. You can learn about any one or all of them. And, um, and some great. cool photos, photos coming up of me playing tennis with Luke Lauber, Courtney Holt's son. Courtney, of course, does an award-winning job of maintaining the iymoney.com website. But Luke and I tore through the San Diego Academy doubles tournament on Sunday. Is that right? Oh, yeah. How old is her son? He's 17. So he carried He's you for all those sets. Good for him. Exactly. Way to go, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Luke. Anyway, back to our guests. Uh, we left off with, with Jack, and then we're going to bring Paula into the show, too, now. But uh, Jack was related. Now, he's got a book called One Veteran's Journey to Heal the Wounds of War. Now, Jack, is this available on Amazon, or how can people get this? It's a, they can just contact us for One Veteran's Journey okay. to Heal the Wounds of War by Jack Gutman. And I mean, go to Amazon.com, okay. and they'll send it to them. Perfect, perfect, <clears> perfect. <throat> it runs nine ninety five. Perfect. Wonderful. <clears throat> well, now you had a, you had some family come along, and I think they were probably very instrumental. I mean, look. they even came along for this interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like to thank your wife, Joe, by the way, who's in studio with us as well. But uh, you had a daughter named Paula who became who has a lot of uh, initials after her name, and she's <laughs> a life transition strategist, grief specialist, best-selling author, keynote speaker. Does a radio show across town on another station. We're not, uh, you know, ashamed to say that. <laughs> but Paula, for, for 20 years, you've been passionate about empowering people, dealing with profound loss. And, and, and uh, so uh, we'd like to thank you and welcome you to the show. Thank you. Um, let's see. <clears throat> well, what, what inspired you to get into your uh, career field? And, and field. Obviously, your dad must have had something to do with it, right? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, you know, the truth is, when I was growing up, I had no idea my dad was suffering from PTSD because he was a great um, undercover guy, you mm. know? He he just made everybody laugh. Mm. And that was, I now know, that was how he distracted himself from what well, he was going through. Well, in a way, comedy and humor is therapy, in a way. Oh, I mean, yeah. Obviously. I mean, I think Jackie, comic relief, I mean, they even used it in the death camps in uh, in uh, Nazi mm -hmm. Germany, these, the mm -hmm. victims over there. So there's something to be said for that. Oh, yes. And humor does actually elevate our energy, you know, mm -hmm. and takes us to a different level. So mm -hmm. it is really important therapy. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, but you got your degree. You went to Long Beach State and uh, you got your degree in education communications, right? Mm -hmm. and then, uh, yeah, I didn't start out to be a therapist. Yeah. What, I, what motivated you to become a therapist? Actually, I was married to a man who became a recovering alcoholic. Mm. So there was some PTSD of my own along the way before he made that choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, during his treatment, I would go to all of the support groups that he needed to be at. And I realized I really loved it when people who were hurting sat down and told the truth mm -hmm. and got better. And so I went back to school mm. and got my certification as an alcohol and drug abuse counselor originally and then later grief specialist. It is. In, I, I, in college, I, I, was a, I had a class, I think it was a theology or something, but the, the, one of the assignments was to attend an open AA meeting because mm -hmm. some are closed, some are open. Mm -hmm. And I went to this thing, and, and boy, to hear some of these you know, women who are housewives hiding bottles around the house and stories, I, I go, my, I had no idea people 
suffered this way. Yes. And it, it, and, uh, but the, the support part of it, the, it is compelling, isn't it? It really is. And um, it's so important, you know, when people sit down together and admit that they're not perfect and stop comparing their insides to everybody else's outsides, then healing can happen. And that's what goes on in those rooms. It's yeah. an amazing organization. So how were you able to help your dad? Well, interestingly enough, my dad and my mom showed up to one of my first grief support group, I had would have like an open community meeting, mm. and um, people what, would come. Was this where was this? What part of town? This was actually in L.A. In L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so they decided they would. So it was kind of one of those things, you know, you do the free meeting, and then you hope people will sign up to do the group. Mm-hmm. And they decided they would sign up to do the group to support me. Hmm. And somewhere along the way, in the midst of this, it was a 12-week group, my dad realized for the first time that he was grieving the trauma that he had experienced in Normandy in in the How many years was this after 1945? 66. Yeah, 2011. Okay. Mm Okay. And so, um, actually, it was before then. It was the late 90s mm-hmm. when this happened. Um, he realized that. So this was really the first kind of help that he got. He did the grief group, and he processed a lot of what he had experienced. So how old was Jack at the time? Do the math when this oh, all occurred. Like That's a here. question you uh, might mid, have Mid-70s, well, Joe. I was, I was Jack. Yeah, about 70. About 70. Isn't that something? Yeah. This is a unique story, right? I mean, I wish <laughs> Oprah was still on, for God's sake. But uh, I am anticipating more people, uh, you know, will want to learn about this, too, and already have. But anyway, uh, so proceed. Well, one of the things I think, you know, Joe, that people don't realize is PTSD and grief have a lot in common, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have to experience severe loss, right, To And grief happens not just when somebody dies. Grief happens as a result of any kind of loss. Mm. So whether you lost your job or you lost your home or you lost somebody to death or your world turned upside down because of a traumatic experience that you had. Mm. It's depression too, right? I mean, Yes. Well, some of the symptoms of PTSD not only are flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety, depression, confusion. Loss of sleep, I'm sure, right? Totally, totally. Anger and rage, fearfulness. And loss of sleep alone will cause some some kind of psychosis for almost anybody, right? Absolutely. Ask any mother of a newborn child. (laughs) (laughs) I was a mega bitch when I went through that one. (laughs) And, of course, then when they're teenagers, it starts all over again. It doesn't get any easier. That's exactly right. In fact, when my daughter was a baby, I said to a friend who had an 18-year-old child, I said, oh, God, I can't wait till my daughter's 18 so I can sleep again. She said, are you kidding me? My joke now is when somebody I know has a baby, I go, good for you. Your life will get back to normal in 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) If then, if you haven't suffered severe PTSD. Yeah, I think we got to take our break right there. Let people reflect on that. We'll come back with Paula, Shaw, and Jack Gutman right after these words. Hang on. back with Paula Shaw, grief specialist therapist, and Jack Gutman, her father, World War II survivor, survived the Normandy invasion, Okinawa, 
and uh, all of that. So, Paul, the people usually associate PTSD with veterans or, shall we say, people who have very traumatic jobs, potentially like firemen, police officers, and so on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it affect a lot of people, though? It absolutely does. Anybody who's experienced any kind of traumatic event could suffer PTSD. In the, in the U.S., it's estimated 223 million people, adults, have wow. experienced traumatic events. That's mm-hmm. a lot of PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that can also happen as a result of, I mean, we all realize things like 9-11, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but also a natural disaster. We have earthquakes here in California. That Hurricanes, can, sure. Absolutely. Wildfires, all that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, there's no dress rehearsal. Of course, when you lose a loved one, too, there's no dress rehearsal. And But I think a lot of it may be how we're conditioned to confront difficult situations. If you, I guess, if uh, perhaps Jack's parents, uh, you know, things were a lot tougher in a lot of ways back then. I mean, we had our little, re- re- our little re- we had a recession, but I mean, nothing like the 10-year depression of the 30s. Mm-hmm. And um, depending upon how resilient, I, I just think resilience, uh, some people are better at it than others, and maybe that's... factors into all this, don't you think? I think resilience does definitely play a part because, you know, one person can go through the same experience as another, and maybe the first person turns to drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. to try to escape and not think about it, you know, where the other person might just start working they harder. They say it's an opportunity, or, or they, now the term in business, Richard, is what? Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> I fell well, I've my... heard that word too much during the election. <laughs> Pivot's really, I Pivot so much you get dizzy. Either, either due to circumstances um, um, beyond my control, or I just screwed up, but uh, I got to try something else, because this isn't working, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Paul, exactly. a question. We. And I know maybe you can't answer this, because it's too personal, but what are some of the things, or Jack can answer this, what are the, some of the things that that your father did to um, start to um, make progress regarding the PTSD? I think primarily um, workaholism, but also alcohol. Mm. Right, Dad? Okay. Yes. And, and Al- alcohol was a big thing. Mm. And, then, and then to overcome those challenges, what, what kind of steps or, or therapy, if, again, if you can say it? Well, he went to Paul's class. <laughs> he did, and that made major help. But beyond yeah. that. Yeah. 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 that. That was a big help. But... Uh, my down was uh, I was medicating myself with alcohol mm-hmm. because of the, the flashbacks were so mm-hmm. bad. It was yeah. just horrible. And it was Thanksgiving, and I was with my family. And I always, if I went to your house, I would not bring just a small bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. I would bring a magnum of champagne mm-hmm. and a gallon of wine. Mm. I didn't want to run out. Yeah. When they, I'd been drinking and drinking and with the family. And then and this went on for to, years, though? Or? Well, yeah, but on Thanksgiving, Especially. when they brought the meal, my face went into the plate. Wow. Uh, I f- passed out. It was so embarrassing. Blackouts. And then my family was going to have an intervention with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sabotaging my whole life. Well, this happens with a lot of veterans. I mean, there's a big <clears throat> alcohol. And in the, in the military, large, a lot of, and of course, today, there's other things beyond alcohol, right. uh, which uh, they get into, and and a lot of times you think, you know, you're self-medicating. You're just compounding the problem, really, right? Yes, Rather than solving, absolutely. you know. You, Big you, time. You, right? Big time. You're creating a, you're, you're, you're solving one problem and creating a bigger one, mm-hmm. you know, bigger one. With, so, so what are some uh, of the things that you do in terms of daily routine to make sure that you don't, shall we say, um, go back to those, those um, situations? Well, number one, I, 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 after I went through um, a grief mm-hmm. class that she got me into, 
And uh, she was very cunning in doing that, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, but <laughs> it got in and it helped me realize uh, some of my problems. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I stopped drinking totally for many months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when I uh, decided, as far as the therapy, to finally, after 66 years of deciding to go and get some help from the veterans, because I knew I couldn't keep going with this. I told a guy at the veterans that said to me, uh, he ever been wounded? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, but if you try to report me, I'll just deny it. Mm-hmm. And then so he, I told him what happened to me in the flashback. And he says, you got post-traumatic stress disorder. I never even knew that. Mm. So had you but, not even heard but, about that? No, no. I didn't okay. know it, it wasn't it, even a diagnosis till gotcha. 1980. Yeah. There, yeah. mm-hmm. And so with the parlor was the nucleus of the starting mm-hmm. and me mm-hmm. finally going to the veterans. And when I went to, they set me up with it. And uh, when I went to that first session and he put me through the, took me back mm-hmm. to Normandy uh, and uh, other things, it was so traumatic. And he said, okay, Jack, we're going to melt those ice cubes mm-hmm. and we'll get you so you could talk about it. Because I never even talked about it. never even told him I was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And finally, I said to myself, to hell with you, I'm not coming back, mm. you know, mm-hmm. because and a lot of veterans are that way. Yeah. But I tell veterans, do not fight it. Yeah. Get that help, because three and a half years later, I, can, I could talk about it. I wrote a book about it. Now I'm speaking to groups. Are you getting? Are you getting a lot? Of, I think the VFW. I mean, you ought to be talking to you have a lot of young people these days. I, I hope you're getting that opportunity. I do. I do. I speak at schools. Good. And they. And but I mean, uh, a lot of veterans themselves, right? Young yes. veterans. Mm. If I'll speak at any group. And of course, a lot of them are missing me. limbs these days too, which is another a whole other challenge. Uh, you know. The one thing that irritates me about you, Jack, you're 91 years old. You got all your hair. You're not wearing glasses. <laughs> here I am over here. You know, I got yeah. half of mine gone. And I, I got all my teeth. You got more than everything. half gone. <laughs> so you didn't have the eyes or LASIK. Nothing. You. Those are your. your... No, no, this is my eyes. Oh, I had. This... I had. Um, uh, what is it? Glaucoma. Not glaucoma. Cataracts. cataracts. I had cataract surgery you gotta, a few you, years you back. You wear reading glasses, though, don't Reading glasses? Yeah, I just use it for reading. Okay, isn't that something unbelievable? <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of human. He's sort of normal. <laughs> the bionic veteran. <laughs> so Paula, Paula Shaw, com. get over there if they learn more about her great work. Tell us some of the data, Paula, about PTSD and how, how it affects people, the numbers, because at the break we, so yeah. we didn't do that. Well, we all know that the veterans, you know, really suffer it. Out of uh, 100 or 1.64 million servicemen and women that served in Afghanistan and Iraq, 300,000 suffered mm. PTSD. So about 20%. Wow. Yeah, it's a huge number. Now, is there some TBI in there, too? Traumatic brain injury? Oh, definitely. I mean... Uh, a lot of TBI. And, yeah. of course, now we know that can lead to rage, yeah. anger, um, aggressive behavior, you yeah. know, lots of different manifestations. People don't realize mm. why they're behaving the way they're behaving. Yeah. Uh, one out of nine women develop PTSD, twice as many as men. And, you know, there's just a huge problem. 24.4 4 
million people in the in America. A well, you, million you adults. You run against Donald Trump. You'll get it yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> I have it just from being a citizen of this country during this election. <laughs> but I kid. But I digress. But, <laughs> but, but anyway. I no comment. One me. thing people mm-hmm. need to keep in mind is yes, get help. Mm-hmm. Whether you go to a therapist, whether you go to the VA if you're a veteran. Help is important, mm-hmm. and there's not. There are many different kinds of therapies now too mm-hmm. that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm on the board of directors for the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. Mm. We're tapping on meridians and doing other kinds of things that are helping people really shift this problem much more quickly. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book called Chakras: The Magnificent Seven in O2, mm-hmm. and then uh, wh- what's this newly released grief? When will the pain ever end? Finding your way out of the depths of despair and after profound loss. That was released in 2015. It's another one of your books, right? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, outstanding. On Amazon as well, I assume, correct? All on Amazon, yes. Outstanding. Well, it must be it must be rewarding when you finally help people like your dad and others uh, get things turned around and get their lives back on a good positive path, right? Absolutely. I love what I do. Yeah. I really love what I do. And people think, grief, oh, the book sounds depressing, your work sounds depressing, but it isn't when you know that you can help people move from one place to another. It's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Plus, grief it's, is a normal thing. Yeah, that can, It's uh, very Ali- Elizabeth Keebler-Ross and all that, going through all those steps and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. I, had my, I lost my dad in 95, you know, still dead. Dealing with, dealing with, still hear him quite a bit because he made a lot of noise. <laughs> ah, I think I've got a session with your name all over it, Joe. <laughs> we just did one. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, we're coming up uh, on it. We have to wrap it right there. But thank you so much, Jack Gutman and Paula Shaw, for being My our guests. My pleasure. Richard, thank you. Great, yeah, Richard, great seeing you again. Mike, thanks for yeah. running the board while yes. Justin's gone. Yes, thanks to Mike Hansen, our board operator, making it sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanger, our con executive, and to Dave Smith, our programming genius for KFMB, all these podcasts. Podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.